You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Well, Jay Teresi, it is back. It is 2022. Welcome to all of our listeners. The Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast is back online to much demand, Jay, of our four listeners. And I'm excited to be back in the booth with you today. (laughs) I am excited to be here too, Chica. We've had a little bit of a break as we both had a lot of stuff going on, but it is great to be back for 2022. I think we're going to have an awesome year on this podcast. I know we have a bunch of different topics we want to get into. I was thinking about our first first podcast when you said, you know, what we're going to have for episode one and episode 100. But this is this is going to be great. We're going to wrap up Prodigal Husband here and then be launching into some new stuff for 2022, which I'm excited to get into with you. So let me pray over ourselves, this podcast and the listeners. Heavenly Father, as we step into another year uh, seeking you and giving glory to you, Lord, I ask that you continue to show favor in our lives. I know that for Jay and I, both professionally and personally, you've shown incredible growth over 2021. And 2022, we're asking for the same for our listeners and for all of the men that are tuning in that wish to be better husbands, be better people, and be better servants of you. So it's in your heavenly Son's name, Jesus Christ, that we ask all of these things. Amen. Amen. So, all right. Well, you know, Chica, this has been a pretty cool series, Prodigal Husband, you know, talking about coming back to be the man our wife wants and needs us to be. And we've covered a lot of different topics. And we're going to wrap it up today talking a little bit about spiritual leadership in the home. Mm. What is the husband's role? I don't think there is a more complicated relationship on this planet than that between husband and wife. Like certainly the relationship with our parents can be fraught and we can carry a lot of baggage from that throughout our lives, right? People are in counseling for that. And with our kids can be difficult and with other people and coworkers, but that relationship between husband and wife, that one flesh, it is so complicated. And as we've talked about, so many agreements can get made, you know, we can, just choose not to go in certain places. You can be together for years and not deal with things. And we we started this series with that great passage from Morgan Snyder's book that said, even in really mature Christian homes, marriages can end up on a surface level because we just, we just have these no go zones and we pretend that it's not happening and we find a happy medium and we just exist together. But that is not the biblical picture of marriage. That's not what God intended for marriage. God intended this incredibly deep connection, this one flesh concept, and, and that's what we've been really kind of digging at is what is the man's responsibility in that? And we've issued a lot of challenges. And today we just want to take a step back and say, in a nutshell, as you wrap that up, biblically, how do I layer on top of that? And really, honestly, I think Paul does the best job in 1 Corinthians 13 in the great love passage. We think of that as the passage for marriages and we read it and love is this and love is that. And we're going to get into that. But honestly, when you step back and ask yourself as a husband, how can I best lead and serve my wife, especially in in the spiritual realm? What does that look like? And honestly, Chica, not to be hokey, but it really comes down to love. Jay, I completely agree with you. And um, as, as you were speaking through there, my brain went completely to this world and the, the, the way that the world is under attack right now. 
uh, especially the family. And I could see some of the listeners. I know that I, for a second, said, well, spiritual leader, Jay, whoa, take, give me a step back. I'm just trying to lead my family, let alone be the spiritual leader on top of it. And I think that my first reaction to that, Jay, is that spiritual leaders, uh, especially from from Christian men, whether, whether you are in a family, in a second family, in a third family, you know, I don't believe that they're in short supply. But but I also also know that God calls, or all the leaders that God calls have shortcomings, right? And so we need to give ourselves some grace because we've been given grace by the Almighty. And even though they have shortcomings, I believe, and I'm sure, Jay, you could reference and riff off a, a hundred characters right now from Scripture, um, God uses them anyway. The other thing that came up for me as you were just introducing that was you and I have been talking clearly about what our word for 2022 is going to be. And I keep thinking about this word submit, and I'm praying into that to see if that's going to be my word for this year. And I think that that's what service leadership, excuse me, spiritual leadership is. It's this idea of sacrifice, right? I believe that like that's the hallmark of a spiritual leader. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is the hallmark of all leadership, right? And so as we take a step back and go, well, where do we start? In the business world, right, Chica, primarily you and I are business guys. That's that's where we spend the bulk of our time. You know, we we love helping men, we love doing men's ministry. That that is that is something we do on on the side. And we've got our families and we've got our priorities, but we're we're business guys with careers. And in the business world, when you talk about leadership, one of the things you learn is leaders are they, they, they prioritize ruthlessly, right? Ruthless prioritization is something you'll hear a lot in the business world for successful leaders. And you take a picture of Jesus, and we never equate the word ruthless with Jesus, and we shouldn't. However, when you look at his life in the Gospels, there's this, there's this really interesting picture that emerges. Jesus mm. prioritizes ruthlessly. There's lots of people that have lots of different agendas for Jesus in the Gospels. But he is never in a hurry, and he is always focused on the right thing. And you know what that is? That's called being present. Jesus might be the most present person in the history of the world. And what comes along with being present? Patience. And what's really interesting when you jump into the 1 Corinthians 13 passage, you know, in verses 1 through 3, Paul kind of sets up the passage. But here's where it begins. When he really starts riffing on love, in verse 4, it begins with love is Patient. Jay, when you're talking about being present in the moment, is that what you're referring to? Patience in the moment? Yeah, I think those things go together really well. Like presence means I'm locked into the other person. I'm here. My mind is not racing over there. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. If you've ever battled anxiety, and I, I, I battled clinical anxiety at a period in my life, and one of the things I had to learn as I was overcoming anxiety is anxiety can only live in the past or in the future, but it can never live in the present. And so they're always trying to bring you back to the present. Well, look at Jesus' life. Even when he's got like things that could cause him to be urgent, right? And we live in the age of urgency. We're all running here and there and doing five things at one time. We are we are anything in, in, in the developed world, but present. Mm-hmm. But take a look at Jesus. Even when he is going somewhere that you could say, well, he should be in a rush. Like he's going to go heal a child who's dead and raise him from the dead. And on the way, this woman crawls out of the crowd to touch his cloak to get healed of bleeding. And what does he do? He's not like rushing and he goes, oh, someone took my power. Okay, I'll see you later. Like he stops and he sees her and he hears her story. It's incredible. Well, think about your wife. What is your wife? What is one of her deepest desires to be seen by you? 
Not that you just show up and you're like, yes, I'm listening to you. And you listen to her talk, but you're staring off. You're staring. Like, who God knows what's actually on your mind, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's right. <laughs> exactly. But here's the deal. Your wife knows when you are present with her. Do you want to open your wife's heart to you? Be present with her. So Jesus is never in a rush. And people are like, Jesus, we got to go over here and do this. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over on that mountain, and I'm going to spend some time with my father in prayer. And, and then I'll catch up to you. You know, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate is basically like, so I hold your life in my hands and I got a few questions and Jesus is totally present and he's totally patient and he's totally not in a hurry and he's just been beaten and flogged (laughs) and he's bleeding to death standing in front of this guy. And yet all of the anxiety and urgency is on Pilate's side, not on Jesus' side, because love is patient and it's kind. It's not jealous or boastful. It's not proud or rude. Now, let's let's just do a little exercise. Think back to the last 10 interactions with your wife. Uh, I don't know whether I want to start from today thinking back 10. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this I had this really wise Christian a couple of months ago challenge me and we were talking about trying to stay connected. And he gave me this exercise. He said, Jay, I want you to go back and pray through 1 Corinthians 13. But everywhere the word love is, I want you to substitute your own name. Jay is patient and Jay is kind. Jay is not jealous. Jay is not boastful or proud. He's not rude. Jay does not demand his own way. He said, if you want to really think about going deeper with the people in your life, starting with your wife, can you pray that in truth? And I went home and did it. And I'm like, first of all, that was really awkward. And then second, it was sort of, spiritual in a way they're like wow my spirit man responded to that in 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 a big big way when you're saying patience and i'm thinking about in all seriousness you know the the patience or the time to be present and patient when my wife is downloading or when we're having a discussion or whether we're having one of those discussions right Uh, i also find that as a spiritual leader modeling being present with the lord is also as important right? Because how, how often do we get into prayer and then suddenly squirrel or task from work or something interrupts us or an enemy pulls a little sniper or bow out at us, um, excuse me, bow and arrow out at us to, to try and distract us from being present in the presence of him, capital H. Um, so I think that it goes both ways, right? As a spiritual leader of the house. It does. And you just touched on something I think really important. First, We often forget on a daily basis to remember we're in a world of war. You and I have talked about that throughout this podcast. We're in a world of war. So every day there's arrows being shot at you. If that wasn't true, the the apostles in the New Testament wouldn't be constantly talking about keep your head on a swivel, right? Peter's like, the enemy's walking around. He's a roaring lion. He's trying to devour you. Like Paul and Peter and James, everyone's talking about the enemy and like keep your head on a swivel, even if you're a believer especially if you're a believer, because there's arrows coming at you all day. I love that analogy. Well, how do we deflect from the arrows? Well, Jesus says, hey, you got to slow down. You got to wrap yourself up in the armor of God. You got to get time alone with your father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, you fill your soul with that, that vertical relationship, then your horizontal relationships, you can be there. You can be present and you can respond in love. And Chica, you and I were having this experiment over the last couple of weeks, right? So you and I were talking about this love passage and then we're, we're like, okay, 
this week as, as things happen in my life with my wife and, and I, I feel irritation rising up, I'm going to attempt to respond in love, not in a patronizing way, right? Like that, that's a disaster. If you patronize your wife, that is the absolute <laughs> worst tactic. Even if you're like, no, I'm trying to do it right. But honestly, like an example of, hey, my wife responded to me sharply. And rather than responding sharply back, I responded in love because I am love. I am patient. I am kind. Well, the reality is that is that is a key to unlock spiritual leadership. You model leadership first. Your wife will respond to you, right? But that's going to look different from her. And it starts by slowing down. One of the things I love about scripture is you can't really be present and you can't really respond in love to things until you first slow down. You got to slow your mind down. You got to slow your heart down. Like you really have got to slow down. There's this great passage in Isaiah 40, 31. And he's talking about not growing weary, not growing faint, you know, staying in the Lord. Patience, slowing down requires first staying in the Lord. If I'm not connected Uh, to God, I can't slow down. And that's what you saw about Jesus. Why wasn't Jesus in a rush? Why wasn't Jesus anxious? I don't know. He was going to go take on all the sins of the world. The only time you even see Jesus start to sweat, and he sweats blood, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And even there, even when he's asking God, can you take this cup away if you want, but not, not my will, yours, he's not even anxious there. He's suffering but he's present. When you said that, spiritual leaders aren't self-made. Like men don't self-make themselves to be spiritual leaders. They're they're called by God and and God-made leaders, right? I mean, it's one thing for me or for you, Jay, or for our listeners to make themselves into a spiritual leader according to their own definition, but there's quite another level once you surrender yourself to God and seek his transformation to become that spiritual leader in whatever capacity you are thinking through. The idea of becoming the spiritual leader of my home, I mean, it can be a little overwhelming. Like every man listening to this, every person listening to this, man, woman, or otherwise, has a lot going on in their life. I know that about you. Chica knows that about you. That is the age we live in. Everybody is under pressure. It's just how it is. Beginning with prayer, which is so overused, but honestly, just take a step back. Beginning in prayer. Finding time every day, that's how you begin to slow down. The Bible models early in the morning is good. Not everybody's a morning person. Whenever you wake up, but beginning your day before you even roll out of bed, wake up. Good morning, Father. What do you have for me today? Your feet hit the ground. What do I need to know about today? What do I need to know going into today? Starting there, that begins to settle your heart and your spirit and opens up the ability for you to hear from God. And as you start to hear from God, then you can look at the folks in your life that are under your authority, right? Your family, that is the the first kingdom you are given as a man, is your family. And that kingdom is yours to have authority in. And so you want to do that in a way that covers them with your protection. Well, starting the day with God, God will begin to open things up to you, things you need to work on in yourself. And then he'll open your eyes to the things your people need. If you ask God to see in others, especially those under your authority spiritually, what do I need to be thinking about and praying about for my wife today? What do I need to be thinking about and praying about for my children today? God is gracious and he will respond. And then as you connect that back to love, well, how do I, as their father, respond in love? You can begin to fight for the people under your authority spiritually. So practically, the first step is to slowing down. I have got to take a moment a couple of moments and connect back in with God 
because that removes the urgency of the now. It's it's praising God and thanking God, then asking God, and then, like we said at the beginning of this time together, submitting to him. Jay, I know that when you think of like James and John coming to Jesus and Jesus kind of rebuffing them and their ambitions by saying leadership shouldn't be sought after for your gain or for what you want, but rather for service for God. That That's that example. And then when Jesus would humble himself um, and, and just project modesty in the face of Satan tempting him, it's just a compelling warning for us to avoid being lifted up with pride and arrogance, um, which are what the devil wants you to do and say, this is all about you and you can control this, but instead laying it down and saying, God, how can I serve you through this action? I think that's a great analogy. And Jesus was doing that all the time, right? He was helping people to slow down so they could see. That's the point of why he used parables. Parables take a little bit of time to unfold. You got to sit and pay attention. You got to listen to a story. And, and Jesus was like constantly slowing things down. And, you know, you could just see like, that's not the way our leaders, our leaders move with, you know, frantic pace and it's always big and this and that. And Jesus is like, hey, let's take a minute. I got a little story to tell you, you know? <laughs> so I love that about Jesus because it's so comfortable. We want to leave you with one practical tip today as we wrap this whole thing up. You know, we we are challenging you to slow down, to think a little more deeply about your relationship with God, to think a little bit more deeply about what scripture says about love and being paying attention to the warfare around you so you can be available in love. And I like I'd like to wrap up with with this one challenge for the men this week. If you just ask yourself this question, where does my wife need to be seen? Where does she need to be seen? And you work on seeing her there. The the relationship between you will begin to dramatically change because when you see your wife, you will begin to show extraordinary love to your wife. And she will feel that and respond in kind. And so as a prodigal husband, there's lots of things that take us away from our wife. But that one question can just slam you right back into the present. Where does my wife need to be seen right now? And sometimes that'll be listening to her about something. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring up, you need to pray for her about this right now. That's how you can best see her. Sometimes it will just be telling her, you look lovely today, honey. You look lovely. I mean, your words have so much power in her life. So much power. Oh, men, wield them so carefully, so carefully. You can speak life into her and over her, your very words. And so that's where we want to leave this whole series. We've talked about a lot of stuff, but ultimately we want you to come home. We want you to see your wife. You know, men, this is the first and most important earthly relationship you have, your wife, your other half, your one flesh. Well, thanks, Jay. It's great to see you again this week. And for our listeners, we will catch you in the coming weeks here on the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast.